Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good evening and welcome to the show. Got quite a bit to talk about because it is now the postseason for many of you in fantasy football. And quite a bit to go through in terms of the injury front. So let's let's get right down to it with the major injury news that broke was the fact that James Conner, running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers, is going to be out this week playing the Raiders. So obviously James Conner being down... Uh, puts this in a very precarious position for the Steelers because Le'Veon Bell is gone, so there's not much else to be talking about tonight uh, in terms of replacements with the exception of Jalen Samuels, the tight end slash halfback slash fullback slash now starting running back of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you've got Jalen Samuels sitting there in the vast majority of leagues, uh, so his ownership is under 10% overall. So there will be a bidding war for his services, uh, depending on what the waiver wire order is or if you've got a fab budget. Uh, folks will be spending up for him, especially now that it's the, the playoffs. So single elimination. And with the f- simple fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, it could be the first round of playoffs for some leagues or other leagues where it's just 14 playoffs. And you, you, uh, you, the playoffs start next week, so especially in those leagues, you're going to be battling out for that last playoff spot. Uh, you know, this is where it kind of comes down to. Who do you go ahead and target? Because you got uh, Jalen Samuels to the Steelers, but lo and behold, we've got two other running back options people should be taking a hard look at. Jeff Wilson of the San Francisco 49ers now finds himself in that prime position because Matt Breida once again re-aggravated that ankle injury before the game against the Seahawks and was a non-factor. So Jeff Wilson, even though he fumbled, he still is going to be playing uh, as the lead running back because of Mostert breaking his arm earlier in the year. So you've got uh, Wilson in a matchup uh, basically against a Denver defense where, I don't know, it's not the uh, greatest matchup, but, you know, it's still a matchup where he should be able to get uh, quite a bit of play. So you got Jeff Wilson as an option. And also, in uh, well, I'm, I almost said San Diego. I caught myself. Los Angeles uh, Chargers uh, running back Justin Jackson. Now, Everyone was hot to try on Austin Eckler this past week, but guess what? Austin Eckler really did not step up in the way people had imagined once uh, Melvin Gordon went down. Yes, his usage uh, was there for the Chargers, but he couldn't do anything with it. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of showing that Eckler is more of a change of pace back, and, you know, maybe that is going to open up a window of opportunity for Justin Jackson because, uh, you know, Eckler only produced uh, 21 yards on 15 rushes. Jackson got uh, uh, some touches in the second half, averaged 
seven yards of carry and had a go-ahead touchdown. I mean, Jackson uh, put put up uh, some decent fantasy numbers compared to Eckler. And, you know, if you're putting up uh, at least a dozen fantasy points all in the second half alone, that's going to warrant some attention from the coaching staff. So, uh, most definitely, Justin Jackson is someone uh, you should be looking very hard at uh, coming up. So, let's do the evaluations here because, uh, you know, uh, out of the three uh, players that can make the most impact here, I would probably say that the guy to own is going to be, without much further ado, basically it depends, be- knowing what the roster construction is. So, on ESPN, Jalen Samuels has been uh, changed from tight end to running back. However, on Yahoo!, the running back slash tight end designation still remains in place. So, overall, I would say it's Samuels on Yahoo. Because you can jam in Samuels as a tight end and he gives you a running back floor. If we're talking about just being a pure running back, though, and you're on an ESPN league, then Justin Jackson's the answer. Uh, I would look at Justin Jackson. I look at Jeff Wilson. Rashad Penny's still out there in a number of leagues, even though he's splitting time with Chris Carson. Uh, Rashad Penny has been getting goal line carry, so uh, that's another option you can consider in terms of uh, the running back position. If we're talking about wide receivers, I mean, Adam Humphreys is still there. You know, I've been talking up Chris Godwin, but Adam Humphreys has a rapport with Jameis Winston. Uh, Godwin had a better rapport with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, Jameis is going to get the run the rest of the year, so you got to go with who he's feeding targets to, and Adam Humphreys is that guy. Uh, It's uh, Deshaun Jackson probably isn't going to be much longer for Tampa. I mean, they may just put him on IR, uh, to be perfectly honest. I mean, he wanted to trade, but, you know. They didn't trade him, and, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup ever since. Uh, So I would say Adam Humphreys definitely uh, would be the top wide receiver option. And then the next guy would be Curtis Samuel of the Carolina Panthers. As inconsistent as Cam Newton it may be, and I think Cam may be actually dealing with an injury, uh, just looking at how sloppy he's looked the last couple of weeks, uh, in particular the Tampa game, I I do feel as though there's something going on with Cam Newton and while he may not necessarily be saying what's going on, uh, there may be something physical going on with him. And I, I'm I'm pretty confident that uh, it's the injury that's influencing what's going on with his uh, uh, erratic throws that uh, we've been seeing out of the last couple of weeks. It's not the fact that he, he was talking a big game. Uh, I mean, there are other things going on with the, that Tampa – I mean, that Carolina team. Uh, I mean <laughs> – Greg Olson basically goes down with plantar fasciitis, uh, uh, a tear in his plantar fascia, which is incredibly painful. But, you know, Carolina is just circling in all the wrong direction. I said it on the Picks Pool uh, podcast, 14-2, uh, and two, by the way, against the spread. Not too shabby, if I do say so myself. But, you know, I said it. It's like, you know, there's a real chance that Carolina was not as good as people kept saying they were. And it it bore out on Sunday. I was not that surprised by the loss, to be honest, as some of the, uh, some of the pundits were. You know, Carolina was looking very inconsistent, and against a team like Tampa, that's a dangerous combo because Tampa can erupt on you. 
but the, you know, as uh, as uh, as long as it, uh, we're here with uh, Carolina, uh, you know, they're still going to be putting up fantasy points on offense. So I, I do think Curtis Samuel is uh, a play there. Now, the fact of the matter is, it's Week 14, and you know, if you're in the playoffs or in the closing stretch for the playoffs, you should not be streaming QBs at this point. You should kind of be making the decision on who your QB is because it's going to be slim pickings throughout. I mean, the last the last train in the station was Lamar Jackson. And if you missed that Lamar Jackson train, uh, you know, God help you because, I mean, we've, we're as slim as it gets because, I mean, you got the Tannehills of the world, Josh Allen, you know, I wouldn't trust any of these guys. You, If you didn't jump on Lamar Jackson when you had the chance and you didn't have a QB, you know, it's your own fault at this point. There's there's not much else I could say about that. So that's really pretty much it for the waiver wire. It's it's kind of just uh, coming down to, like, what you were able to do for uh, the three running back options. And, I mean, in particular, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, guys like uh, Jalen Samuels, you're talking about the Jeff Wilsons of the world, Justin Jackson, you know, this is slim pickings, folks. But, yeah, I mean, you come to the end of a long regular season, this is what happens. So you're going to have to make stands. And if you're shallow in a certain spot, that's where sometimes not making that trade uh, can bite you sometimes. Sometimes you have to make a trade to downgrade certain uh, positions to at least give you that roster that in case something goes wrong. Because that's why you, you can handcuff. But honestly... It, depending on the format, you, you're better off waiting to handcuff than just try to handcuff throughout the year because, you know, sometimes uh, you, you, your team suffers uh, for the handcuff, and then when you actually need a handcuff, it's because you dropped them uh, too early and, you know, trying to get wins because you're always scrambling. And then, uh, you know, you, you grab them when it was an emergency, not like two weeks prior to that. But, you know, that's what... That's the guessing game that sometimes happens. So, them's the breaks. Uh, just to kind of recap briefly what happened in week 13, it was miserable. I mean, it was truly a kicker's paradise in terms of points being scored because that was one of the highest turnout for kickers all year long in what has been a year of terrible, terrible kicking. There were some more egregious misses, yes, uh, uh, I mean, not yesterday, but... Uh, uh, in uh, the Monday Night Football game, that was whew, Sanchez. Whew, terrible. But um, yeah, in terms of the, the kickers, they were bad again uh, this weekend. But you know, you know who was really bad. Here are the fantasy QBs who scored ten points or less in Week Thirteen: Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Andrew Luck. And Drew Brees from the Thursday night debacle in Dallas. I mean, those are a number of top QBs who just were absolutely putrid over the weekend. The running backs who scored six points or less in non-PPR leagues. Sonny Michel, David Johnson, Alvin Kamara, LaShawn McCoy, Austin Eckler, Deion Lewis, Marlon Mack. Mark Ingram, and Tevin Coleman. I mean, these are a long list of names 
But it, that's the frustrating part sometimes. Like, you'll have these dud weeks. And, you know, for some of you, because it's a 16 playoffs, you get away with it. 14 playoffs, you, you try to minimize the dud weeks as much as possible because those are what prevent you from making it into the playoffs. It's those dud weeks where it's just miserable. I mean, you want to talk about miserable positions? The tight end spot. Outside of Kelsey, Cook, and I, I shouldn't even say Jared Cook. Jared Cook had a good weekend. Overall in the season, he's still been, I mean, he's still top 10 in terms of tight ends, but it's not as though it's because he's been that great. It's just how bad tight end has been. I mean, if you didn't have Travis Kelsey, Kittle, or can't believe I'm saying this, Eric Ebron, you have been in a bad way. Because even a guy like Ertz, yes, he's made catches, but like for where you drafted Zach Ertz, it's still a down year. Like the only top tight end that's actually lived up to the billing is Travis Kelsey. That's it. I mean, it's just been a brutal year uh, of tight ends. I mean, I mean, Gronk, Gronk didn't even. <laughs> let's go back. Let's go back to the New England game. Uh, let's go back because literally, you have to scroll down to. F- Gronk had two and a half points this past weekend. That's how bad tight end has been this year. Two and a half points. I mean, if if we're talking PPR. Then you get to five points with Gronk. But in standard leagues, it was two and a half, a half, P, a half point PPR. He got the four points. I mean, th- these are these are players people spent second round picks on. I mean, the tight end spot has just been that bad overall. I mean, and don't get me started on the wide receivers. Because, I, I mean, outside, like literally, you, you got Zay Jones outscoring Odell Beckham. I mean, and Odell, big one of the biggest play for Odell was actually his 50-yard passing touchdown. Uh, you know, it's just one of those wacky years where the ceiling and the floor have such a distance between them week to week with some of these players, especially at the uh, wide receiver position. You know, it's really hard to wrap your head around uh, guys who are just not getting it done. I mean, if you're talking about guys who just had really disappointing weeks uh, in terms of wide receiver in week 13, uh, say no more because we got uh, Stefan Diggs, we got Mike Evans, we got Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Larry Fitzgerald, Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley. I mean, Julio was bad. Emmanuel Sanders did not ge- generate the results people were expecting, especially me for DFS. That was that was an absolute bust. I mean, Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys helped to determine the millionaire maker along with Zay Jones. Zay Jones, who literally looked like he was going to be one of the biggest first-round busts uh, uh, in, ter- in terms of wide receivers. I mean, again, it's just a miserable, miserable year in terms of certain fantasy positions. Tight ends at the most egregious case. Wide receivers, not that far behind, folks. Really isn't. There's just a lot of variation between some of these players, especially once you get past the top 10 in wide receivers in fantasy. It's just been an absolute crapshoot. 
All right, so let's get into a couple of news items uh, because uh, I know folks have been asking about the Washington situation. Redskins lose yet another game. They are now 6-6 six and six in the NFC East. And, you know, people are getting ticked off because, you know, Colt McCoy fractures his fibula in the game. And lo and behold, Washington is now relying on Mark Sanchez on Monday Night Football last night to throw them. I literally bet 150 bucks on the Eagles' money line as soon as I saw Sanchez come into that game. That's how confident I was that the Eagles were winning that game. It, it, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, there are a bunch of guys who have no business being on NFL fields in the quarterback's position because of the stance the NFL is taking on uh, the anthem. I mean, say what you will about Colin Kaepernick. It, we've gotten past the point of ridiculousness that you we can't figure out a measure of dealing with the anthem because of the political nature that we, the media has played this up to be by running so many stories about the anthem protests and the counter wave of reaction the NFL got to it that the NFL has now insisted on a gag order for the media talking about the anthem stance when everyone knows that the only reason why Colin Kaepernick is following that collusion case is the exact same reason what happened last night that guys are getting hurt left and right. He's not getting phone calls and we've got guys who cannot play in the NFL playing quarterback because of that stance. No one wants to cop to it. So of course that's why the, uh, the lawsuit's dragging on because the NFL is trying to figure out a way out of this and they may just end up having to pay, uh, uh, pay, uh, pay the fee to Colin Kaepernick unless they bribe the judge because the, the proof is in the pudding with the actual players playing quarterback in NFL games. Yes, I know it's it's ridiculous in terms of Matt Barkley being able to walk off the street and outperform Nathan Peterman with no practice whatsoever with the Bills beforehand. Matt Barkley came out of nowhere. And Matt Barkley's not even a replacement level QB. But that's how ridiculous the NFL is in 2018 because they're the, the distance between the haves and have-nots keeps escalating. Now, Giants fans may keep bitching and moaning about Eli Manning. Eli Manning is still in the top half of QBs in the league, whether you like it or not. It's the truth of the matter. Because the level of talent is, you know, you could talk up like how great some of these younger players are, but the truth of the matter is there's still so many crappy NFL QBs around that it still keeps guys employed. That's why Matt Stafford... Got all that guaranteed money. Detroit did not want to go down that rabbit hole of these crappy QBs who cannot be on an NFL field going forward because someone was going to give approximate money to Stafford and they didn't want to risk it. It's as simple as that with some of these players. Uh, The market is, is still not saturated enough with QBs that teams feel confident in letting some of their QBs go. Case in point, the New York football giants, whom you are now hearing the rumblings that Eli Manning may actually come back to quarterback for yet another season if he doesn't decide to retire mercifully uh, behind that porous, porous offensive line. It can't get much worse than it is, but, you know, it's gotten better in the last couple of weeks, but man, the damage has been done because Eli is going to lead the league in sacks this year at age 37. 
But, you know, at, at the end of the day, the reason why the Giants would consider bringing back Eli is the same reason why these teams keep bringing back quarterbacks. There aren't enough of quarterbacks available that can do what teams are doing. Yes, everyone thinks they can find the next Patrick Mahomes. It's not that easy. It really is not that easy. You know, fo- folks keep making it sound like it's it's uh, it's so easy to find those types of QBs. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, they can they can pretend like it works that way, but it really doesn't. That's that's how teams get themselves fired. And GMs get themselves fired. All right, let's uh let's uh move away from the NFL and talk about college football. Obviously, the NCAA College Football Selection Committee made their decision on the Final Four, and they didn't make any controversy. Oklahoma got the fourth spot. Uh, Notre Dame remained in third. So, obviously, you got Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, all undefeated, one, two, and three. Oklahoma got the fourth spot over Georgia, who ended up in fifth. Uh, Ohio State was sixth. UCF was remained in eighth. You know, <laughs> It was not even remotely part of the conversation. Surprise, surprise, that the committee just uh, chose to ignore UCF as if they don't exist, be winning 25 games in a row. You know, and the best part about this is that you listen to the hypocrisy on ESPN where Kirk Street is thumping the tables so loudly for Georgia, you can hear it when he's an Ohio State alum and a qu- former quarterback of the Buckeyes. Like, he's so far off the paradigm of what you would consider a homer on TV that you think he hates his university <laughs> because the Ohio State fans were going nuts on Herb Street for how much he was making a case for Georgia to be the fourth team in over Ohio State and Oklahoma. But, you know, it it, it is what it is with ESPN. It's just pomp and circumstance but they will always favor major conferences. They they don't give a damn about the smaller schools because guess what? The alumni base is still on the smaller side, so they know they don't have the baked-in viewers. They only give a damn about how many teams and their fans are going to be watching their bowl games uh, on ABC and ESPN. That's what really matters to ESPN and what matters to the bowl selection committee. They want the bigger schools with historic meaning so that the fans will travel and they get everything. They don't like the Boise State to the world. They've come to accept Boise State just because Boise State has been doing it the longest out of the mid-majors so that if they if a boy if Boise State makes another deep run, they they actually have to respect it. UCF if they do it again next year, which it, again, is statistically almost impossible cuz they've already won 25 straight. Like, the committee is just waiting for a reason for them to lose to justify knocking them all the way down uh, into the 20s and 30s just to say, see, we told you they weren't good enough. Like, UCF pissed them off this year by keep winning in spite of the fact that Mackenzie Milton suffered significant uh, nerve damage in his leg uh, prior to uh, the American uh, uh, Championship Final uh, for the American Football Conference. But, you know... It is, uh, it, it is something, uh, uh, well, I should say American Athletic, uh, American Athletic Conference, but anyway, um, uh, 
it, it is something when you have a team like UCF, you know, that by all accounts does it the right way. And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum with Ohio State and Urban Meyer, who announced today that he's stepping down at the conclusion of the Rose Bowl due to health concerns and not the fact that he's been a lying scumbag the vast majority of his career. And, oh, by the way, covered up domestic abuse for well over a decade involving one of his assistants, which I've talked about it on the podcast before. The Zach Smith issue with Urban Meyer is just an absolute joke of an investigation by Ohio State, the state of Ohio. You know, it's, you know, when you put football so far ahead of, you know, just acting like a decent human being, this is what happens. Because this is exactly uh, the kind of atmosphere that permeates, which allows a Sandusky incident to occur at a place like Penn State. It's the exact same culture and mindset where you value one thing so far over everything else that you devalue, you're willing to de- completely devalue human life just to win a few more football games. That's what happens. It's like it, it, people can argue that it's a slippery slope. No, it's just you don't give a damn about the uh, the the abyss that's uh, awaiting you at the end of making it to the mountaintop. That's what uh, what happens to these folks. They care only about. Uh, themselves and their football team and that's that's all that matters that's why you have Chiefs fans going crazy over Kareem Hunt and fantasy owners bitching and moaning about TMZ releasing the video of Kareem Hunt assaulting a woman uh, and kicking her while she's down on a hotel floor because it's impacting their football team it's impacting their fantasy team you know the, the sad part about all this is listening to people actually try to justify kicking a woman in the face by saying, well, maybe she instigated the whole matter. D- really? It's like, so that's how you, you ev- evaluate these things. You know, the lack of just basic understanding of how people should be able to conduct themselves in public. That's where we're at right now in terms of the general public. Because folks are so wrapped up in their individual lives and the things that that they value the most that, like, basic human decency goes by the wayside at, at times when it's inconvenient for them. So that's why you get the just bile of rabid callers complaining about these topics... Trying to defend Urban Meyer, trying to defend Kareem Hunt from a witch hunt, because I hear that word bandied about more often than I'd care to admit uh, listening to radio shows, uh, talking about Urban Meyer, talking about Kareem Hunt. The fact of the matter is, these guys are no saints. No one is. But when they came time to tell the truth and actually just come clean with everything, they both decided to lie about it and just try to hope that it would go away. And they had their employers try to cover up things because the the Chiefs and the NFL both got involved in that investigation. They knew exactly what went down and they kept the lid on everything because they did not want to make headlines. But guess what? The truth got out eventually anyway and now the cover up looks 
just as egregious as the crime that was perpetrated. I don't get it. I I mean, when you get to that stage where you value that much over just being a decent human being, I, I will never, never quite grasp that concept. But it is what it is with certain folks. Well, I'm going to uh, call it a uh, day because like, I could talk more about Urban Meyer but it, it, it's just, I feel like it's beating a dead horse. It's like some folks are just going to decide that the football is more important to them than, you know, everything else that went down. And to actually take some accountability for uh, one's actions. So it, it is what it is. But uh, I'll leave it at that in terms of uh, the discussion because I'm sure there will be plenty of questions uh, coming Urban Meyer's way as we head into the Rose Bowl and the pregame uh, coverage. Uh, college Bowl season kicks off on uh, n- uh, the f- the end of uh, next week. Uh, so it should be kicking off on the 15th of uh, next week. Uh, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, as we go down the path, we're going to hear more about players not playing in some of these bowl games going to hear more from Urban, Urban Meyer as to uh, what happens next. Uh, the NFL will undoubtedly keep uh, talking up about how they did not mishandle the Kareem Hunt investigation when, by all accounts, they did not actually go through the proper protocols of interviewing everyone involved in the incident because they knew what happened and they just did not want to know what happened because they would actually have to officially officially document what happened but i'll leave that for another day uh hopefully you guys get some value out of the waiver wire picks uh we'll we'll talk uh some uh premier league uh, because uh, we had games going on midweek as uh they start condensing the schedule uh due to the holiday season as uh as uh, things uh, build up to derby day i mean uh geez i'm saying derby day i mean boxing day uh to start off the new year, but, uh, uh, you know, we, we've got that coming up, but, uh, that's all for now. So best of luck in your fantasy playoffs uh, for football and I'll see you around the bend. Take it easy, folks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.